Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. There's nothing more fun. Can I tell you honestly, there is absolutely nothing more fun for a pastor than to take a book of the Bible and go through it verse by verse. And uh, the only trouble is, you know, what not to say. It's just amazing. And I was was thinking about this the other day. most of us guys love going to the barber shop, right? It's, it's just a nice little time where it's quiet. Uh, you, you, can, you can shut the ringer off on your phone and, and uh, know that you're going to get a good haircut and be coming out of there looking at least a little sharper than you did. And it's, it's a good feeling. And plus, at the barber shop, they have car magazines. You know, car magazines are awesome. This particular one is not specifically, I often look at car and driver and stuff, but this, this one caught my eye because on the front is a Ford GT. It's a men's journal. This happens to be the, the style and design issue for 2015. The Ford GT, anybody want to guess what the price tag is on this Ford GT on the cover of this magazine? Uh, you're close. $400,000, men. Awesome, right? (laughs) I was just thinking that for this car, we could get that piece of land almost. Wow. All right. Anyway, inside the magazine, I'm I'm looking through this magazine, and and there's cars and pickups and all kinds of great stuff. There's stuff for your home, like what's the right kind of coffee maker, uh, the wobble board so you can exercise better. Here's a, a, a vacuum robot. Maybe even the ladies would love to have a vacuuming robot with us men because I know men, you're out there vacuuming, aren't you? I mean, that's one of the things we teach here at Crosswalk is men should be moving the vacuum. Ladies, if, if you need my help with that, I'm here for you, all right? Just don't ask Julie how often I do it. I read this magazine before I got into the barber chair, and I got to thinking about the messaging of the whole magazine. And, and what is it really saying? It's really saying, it said to me that if I wanted to be a real guy, a, a man's man, that there are certain things that I, that I have to have, certain things that I need to, to take hold of, whether it's a car, stuff for my home, they're, they're ex- the right kind of exercises in here so I can have the right kind of body, all this kind of stuff that's sending messaging that says, if you want to be the best kind of man that you can be, you've got to take hold of it. You've got to grab hold, take responsibility, and do this. Do this yourself. It might be buying something. It might be the kind of exercise you do. It might just be having the right mindset toward your life, your relationships, and your business. But the whole magazine was simply saying the onus, the burden for being the kind of man that you want to be, really the kind of person that you want to be, male or female, is for you to take hold. And I want to tell you that that message is very, very common in our culture. It's common all around the world. In fact, 
The Apostle Paul talks, talks about this in, in other parts of his letters as, as the basic foundational philosophy of mankind, that it's really all about us and what we do and whether or not we take responsibility and grab hold, and that we are responsible for our own success, responsible for our own happiness, responsible for our own lives. And the reason I'm starting with this today is because I'm going to tell you, you're going to hear a message that's going to challenge all of that. You're going to hear some, some words that are, are going to take us in a, in a very different direction from all of that. And that's why the title for today's message is so important for us to see. I want you to look down at it. It's, We Are God's Masterpiece. And I want you to circle the word God's in there because really that's the emphasis here is that our life, our success, our ability to get ahead in life, that all comes from God. It's God's not, it's not, the onus is not on us, the, the onus and the burden, he's willing, ready, able to bear that burden for us. Last week, if you were here and you heard Pastor Dan kick off this series, you heard him talk about his, uh, his, his little happy place that he likes to go to on uh, Lake Oahe, Missouri River in South Dakota. And he mentioned that his relationship to Tanya is what allows him to go to this place where he can vacation and kind of just let his hair down and, and get relaxed and haunt and fish and do the kinds of things that he loves to do. And that it's his relationship to Tanya, because it's really his father-in-law's place where he goes, that relationship to Tanya is what allows him to enjoy that, that wealth. And he was really talking about the, the introduction of this letter where in this just burst of praise, Paul starts this letter with, a, with what we call a doxology, a, a praise verse where he's saying, God is the one who did all of this, and in Christ now, I have this incredible wealth, just as Pastor Dan said, in Tanya now, because she's linked to my father-in-law, I have this incredible place where I can go and enjoy my vacations and, and feel incredibly wealthy and relaxed. Today we're going to go further from words of praise into words of prayer. And, and these words are so important because right away they lead us into this thought pattern that, that God is willing to accept the burden of giving us the life, eternally the life that we're all looking for and that we desire. And I want you to, let's start just by, by reading this first section from Ephesians chapter 1, 15 to 23. And I'm, I'm going to have you underline and circle some words here because it's so important. This is a long section, but we can boil it down. And what we're going to hear here, and as you read it, I want you to think about this. He's really saying, I, I thank God for you. And I'm asking God to open your eyes so that you're able to see not only that God has given you great wealth, which he has, but also he's given you a lot of some other things that you might be seeking out of your life too. So let's read it. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, 
in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. He's talking to the Ephesians now. You guys are amazing. I thank God all the time for you. I remember you in my prayers. Verse 17, I keep asking in these prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So he's, he's asking God, first of all, I want you to have the Holy Spirit in your heart and mind. Because Paul knows that without the Holy Spirit alive in our heart and mind, we are, we're never going to see the things that God wants us to see and, and to own and to have. So I keep asking God to, to give you this, this opening of your eyes. He literally says that next. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that, now here's where it gets really important. Why does Paul want the eyes of our hearts to be opened up so that we can see some things? Now it's where I'm gonna have you circle, so get that pen ready. In order that you may know the hope. Will you circle the word hope? Whatever situation you may be in right now where it feels sort of hopeless, where it feels like, man, I, I don't know if I can get through this, Paul says, as he was saying originally to the Ephesians, there is hope for you. You just need to have the eyes of your heart opened by the Holy Spirit to see the hope that is in store for you. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Then here's what Pastor Dan was talking about last week. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people that you have also received immense wealth, riches from God, spiritual riches. I hope that the eyes of your heart see those spiritual riches. And then, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I want you to circle hope, then riches, then power. That power is the same as his mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul's saying the same power that God used to raise his son Jesus from the dead. Now, no one has this power to, to bring someone back from the dead, but God does. And God brought his son Jesus back from the dead. That's true power. And Paul says that power is available to you in Christ. So do you hear, hear what is being said to you? Pastor Dan mentioned that in Christ... We have this unbelievable wealth. Well, now Paul expands that. And he says, in Christ, you not only have unbelievable wealth and riches, but you have unbelievable power, unbelievable hope. And then he's gonna go on and say, don't forget that the one who brought you all of this, Christ, is above everything. So if you're attached to him, as he rises, you rise. Whatever his position is, is your position because you're right next to him. Now, why am I saying this? It's so practical. How much time in our lives do we spend chasing? Chasing. The stuff here, but it might not be the stuff here. 
maybe it's, maybe it's changing appearance or, or health. Maybe it's chasing after a position at work or, or a position of, of security in life. Maybe it's us saying to ourselves, I want to have enough power in my life that I don't ever have to worry again about whether or not um, I'm going to be knocked down by someone. Or someone might say, looking at this, saying, I wish I had the power to get healthy. I go to all these doctors. They can't even diagnose what I have. I would be happy with the diagnosis, but I would really love a cure. If only I had the power for that. I would wager a guess that most of us in this room today, myself included, are engaged in the chase in some form or fashion after the very things, power, position, wealth, hope. That do you hear what Paul is saying? here to you, to me, you already have more hope, power, position, and wealth than you can handle. Way more. In Christ, you have already been given immense wealth. The only problem is you may not be seeing how much you really have because your wealth, your power, your position, your hope are all spiritual. And we as human beings tend to prefer the physical, the tangible, the things that we can hold in our hands, the things that we can check the numbers to see. And and so... This is why Paul is praying for the Ephesians. They're the, they were people. They're the same as us. They were doing the same chase. And, and Paul is saying, I'm writing this letter to you. Dan explained to us last week. All the book of Ephesians is, is a letter that was originally written to a group of Christians in a, in a city called Ephesus. And he's writing to this group of Christ followers saying to them, Just pause for a minute as the Holy Spirit enters your heart and your mind and and see all that you have. Let's let's finish the verse so that you can continue to see. I'm going to start in the middle of verse 19. That power is the same as, as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything. Now I want you to circle these words, for the church. Because here Paul is telling us, why did Jesus do all of this? For the church, for you who believe in Jesus as your savior, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Here's what I want you to write down. In Christ, we have unbelievable wealth. We also have incredible hope, power, and position 
These are no, there are no more if onlys for a Christ follower. So why I say that is this. If we're chasing, there's a little thought in the back of our minds that provokes the chase. And the thought is, if only I had this, if only I accomplished that, if only I were there instead of here, then I would, then I would enjoy happiness. If only I were healthy, if only my relationship would be healed, if only I could climb the ladder another rung or two, if only I could live in a different neighborhood, if only I had more money in the bank. You see, what Paul is addressing here is you have all that you need when you have Christ. Notice what he says. He is the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. When we are filled with Jesus by faith, there comes a sense of contentment, happiness, joy that is unlike any other kind of contentment and happiness and joy because even when other things are not going exactly the way we would hope them to go in life, we still feel content and steady. It's as if somebody has put ballast in our boat and no matter what storms come, when we are filled up with Christ, our boat remains steady. This is what Paul is talking about. I am asking God to open your eyes to see the wealth, the hope, the power, the position that Jesus has given to you. And that's my prayer for you too. It's Paul's prayer for all of us. Now let's, let's go on. And, and here I'm gonna tell you this next set of verses. If, if you've ever wanted to hear a, a compact version of what Christianity is all about, it's right here, Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. You could not get 10 verses that are more power-packed to tell you what this Christian faith is all about than these verses. Now, why do we, as Christians, continue to have if-onlys if we've been filled with Christ? Well, let's, let's talk about that. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, as for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, I'm going to tell you, those verses have some distinctly unpleasant things to say to us. And if you're a Christian, you've probably, you've probably reconciled yourself to some of these truths, although I think for some of us as Christians, we still struggle with these truths a little bit because we would prefer to be flattered and told how good we are and how well we're doing for those of you who are not Christians or just not sure what you believe yet, these are 
extremely difficult verses because they do not say to you that by nature you're a good person. They actually say the exact opposite of that. And if you're here today not sure what you believe and and you just heard me say these are the basic truths of Christianity, these may be the very things that you struggle over when it comes to Christianity. It may be like, I I love that Christians want to to be kind like Jesus was and truthful like Jesus was and and be healing like Jesus was, but why do they always have to, to, to tell us how bad we are and pour on the guilt? That might be a thought that crosses your mind. And that's okay. What is Paul saying here? What Paul is saying is that ever since Adam and Eve fell into sin, everyone who was born since then was born physically alive, but spiritually dead and separated from God. And what that means in in practical terms is that God originally designed his people so that he could bless them and that in return we would complete the circuit and we would bless and praise and thank and worship God in return and it would be a, a perfect cycle Blessings come down from God, we return thanks and worship to him, and more blessings come down, and we return more worship and praise and thanks. But being born spiritually dead means blessings come down, and instead of praise and worship rising back to God, it gets short-circuited, and we turn inward and begin to think those blessings came from us. It's the very thing I started this message with. That instead of a worldview that is God-centered, we engage in a worldview that is man-centered. And and we take responsibility, we put the onus on ourselves, and we begin to think that all success, all glory, all happiness, All power, all position, all wealth, all hope are based in us and our activities, us being mankind. That's what spiritual death is, is that we turn inward into ourselves. That, in in some ways, doesn't sound horribly bad. Shouldn't we, as human beings, take responsibility? But the problem is that it it turns into idolatry, which is the very first commandment. And and the resting that God wants us to do in him becomes us resting in ourselves, in our own wisdom, in our own strength. So Paul takes the Ephesians and he says, you have this incredible wealth, this incredible power, this incredible position and hope, But I want to take you back to where it started. There was a time when you didn't see any of that. You didn't know any of that. You didn't have any of that. Because you were dead in your sins and transgressions, separated from God and his blessings. And I want you to notice, it says all of us were there. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world of culture, the ways of this world right here. 
And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, in case you're wondering who that is, it's a reference to Satan. When you used to follow the ways of Satan, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient, all of us, we underline those words? In other words, no exceptions. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh Remember, because now our message to ourselves as spiritually dead people is it's all about us, it's all on us. And following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Once again, if you're a Christian, you've become somewhat comfortable with this, And yet, we must never become too comfortable with it. That our nature leads us away from God, and as Paul says, and this is not, trust me, the only place in the Bible that says this. It's said many, many times over. By nature, we are objects of God's wrath, his anger. I know these are difficult words, but this is what Paul is trying to teach us, that that separation from God was disastrous. That hell is real, that hell is hot, and that hell is reserved for those who don't know Christ. We all by nature were in that camp. Paul says there's no good guys and bad guys. We were all at one time, bad guys. I want you to write this down. Why do we struggle to see our wealth? Because dead people don't see. Spiritually, we started out as dead people, and dead people don't see. Satan killed and blinded us with his most basic lie, and this is the lie that we've been talking about in this message. If you want it, You, human being, just go get it. It's all up to you. This, you know, sometimes when we hear about Satan, we assume that the sins that he wants to pull us into are things like greed and lying and lust and the kinds of things that we we normally think of, hatred and murder. And it's easy to associate Satan with those lies. Here's the tough one. The one that many of us may struggle with is that Satan's most basic lie is none of those. His most basic lie that we have to constantly be vigilant about is, sir or ma'am, you do it. You want wealth, you want power, you want position, you want hope, it's all up to you. That's Satan's most basic lie. Go back to the garden. How how did Satan word it to Adam and Eve? Don't you want to have the position and the power and the wealth that God has? Don't you want to be like him? Well, Adam and Eve, it's not hard, it's easy. Take the bull by the horns, Adam and Eve. It's up to you. There's the tree. Just go eat it. Eat the fruit. 
That's why I call it the most basic lie. And, and when you hear someone that seems to have a really attractive message of, hey man, grab the bull by the horns, you can do this, it's up to you, I want your ears to be open to the fact that that is Satan's most basic lie. Because it doesn't sound that bad at first. It certainly doesn't sound as bad as murder and, and lust and greed and dishonesty. But this, brothers and sisters, is the most basic lie Satan tells us. Flip the page over. Now, if you're not sure what you believe, if you're not a believer, a few moments ago when you heard me say things like, hell is real, God's wrath is real, God's wrath is being poured out on those who are disobedient to him and unbelieving in him. There may have been, as there was for me at one time when, before I was a believer, an almost visceral reaction. Really? I, I thought Christians teach that God is a loving God. I thought that Christians believe that God is an inclusive and an and, and embracing God. What's, what's this stuff about God's wrath being poured out? And, and I want to tell you that the Bible addresses that tension, that question. Because it tells us that on the one hand, while God's wrath towards sin is real and, and, and hell is real, that God is not at all narrow-minded and, 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 and excluding, but in fact, he's the most inclusive God that you could imagine. And the reason we know this is because of a little word called grace. Christianity is the only faith that teaches you don't have to climb to a certain level to be acceptable to God. Christianity is the faith that teaches you could be lower than the lowest low, more wicked than you can even hardly imagine, and God will still scoop you up. It's called grace. And, and rather than Christianity be, being narrow-minded and exclusive, this word grace teaches us that our faith is the most all-embracing and inclusive there is. And what about God's love? How does God show that all, including love? Well, Paul goes on to talk about it. But because of his great love for us, we were separated. God, God had considered us objects of his wrath, but he still loved us. And it was a great love that he loved us with. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. 
Though we deserve God's anger and wrath, Paul says, God, gracious and merciful as he is, came and found us and hugged us to himself and said, I want you to be with me. God purposely sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be our redeemer and our rescuer at the very cost of his son's own life to turn us around from certain destruction and death to give us, as he says it here, the incomparable riches of his grace in the coming ages. In other words, a home in heaven. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. I, I don't know how to describe this other than if you've ever been on a, on a vacation and you've never been to this place that you're going on vacation and so you, you listen to people that have been there, you go to websites, you might look at photographs and you try to get a sense of what this place is going to be like but you can never quite really understand the beauty of this amazing vacation spot without experiencing it. Paul's giving us the photo here. He's, he's, he's set up the website where he says, do you guys know what God has established for you in eternity? The unbelievable riches that he has in store for you? And I know you can only see it partially now. You can't really get a true sense of what this is going to be like. But with Christ dying for you, it's there for you. Your sins have been forgiven. Your guilt is taken away. That separation that was between you and God is gone. The cross bridged it. The blood of Jesus shed on that cross completely filled in that gap so that now you are returned to God in true deep relationship with him, able to have a hope of eternal life in heaven where God will bless you with his incomparable riches, which God loves to do. You see, this is the truest, deepest message of Christianity when we talk about God's wrath and anger and, and the punishment that, that comes upon sinners, the, the theologians like to call that God's foreign work. It's, 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 it's what God does, but he, it's not really his natural work. To love and to give and to bless and to have us with him for eternity, enjoying his blessings forever, that's his natural work. And that's what comes out here in this, in this section. That though we were once lost, now we have been found. He's raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. There are spaces waiting for you to fill. And one day, through God's grace, you will fill that space in heaven and do what God loves to do best. He will, he will watch you enjoy those beautiful blessings. Write this down. By grace, God made us alive with Christ so that we could enjoy his hope, wealth, power, and position. And the beauty of that is, if dead people don't see, 
living people do see. And the blessing for you right now is that you don't have to wait to heaven to enjoy all that God has in store for you. Paul goes on and he says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Don't take the burden on yourself. This is not from you. It's from God. God took the whole burden on himself in Christ. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. There's a, a beautiful quote, and, and this is where even sometimes we agree with, with, with the great philosophers in the world. There's a, a French philosopher by the name of Michel Foucault. And about 75 years ago, he, he wrote this quote. He wrote, self-attachment is the first sign of madness. And it is because man is attached to himself that he accepts error as truth, lies as reality, violence and ugliness as beauty and justice. Foucault, not a Christian, just a, a French philosopher, a humanist, he saw it clearly that when we get so involved with ourselves and when we take the kinds of burdens on that are really only intended for God to take on, it skews our thinking, it blinds us. And that's the kind of spiritual blindness that Paul is, is talking about here. And it's the blindness that God completely heals and cures by his grace. So I want you to write this down. By grace, God restored our eyesight so that we could see and believe that these amazing gifts that God has for us are ours. Not by works, not by what we do, but solely by everything that Christ, that Jesus Christ has, has done for us. And now we get to the, to the very peak of this, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And there's a beauty in that first phrase. I want you to circle the word handiwork. What that, what that word literally means is a work of art or a masterpiece. And, and this is where Paul is taking the Ephesians and us today to understand that the most basic idolatry has nothing to do with worshiping things out there. The most basic idolatry is about worshiping ourselves. Believing that we get to make all the judgments and, and, and do everything that needs to get done, that we can save ourselves by our own works. That's the most basic idolatry, us being the idol. And so Paul is coming to us today and saying, you are not your own masterpiece. You are not the one who can create your own life. Not, not that we can't, with God's help and power, 
do great things. God has made us with the ability to do that, but not in our own strength, not in our own wisdom. And, and I, I'll, I'll wager a guess that anyone who has taken the burden of trying to create their own happiness, their own power and position at some time in their life has hit a wall at least once. And at that wall, they realized how arrogant they had been to think that they were the masters of their own destiny. And, and what Paul is saying is, isn't it wonderful that you can unburden yourself of all of that? That you, that you, can, that you can take that onus off of yourself and say, I'm not my own masterpiece, I'm God's masterpiece. The love that he poured out on me by sending Jesus to be my savior has created the me that I am. I am created, notice he says it right there, in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has laid out a beautiful life of purpose for us. But it's he who laid it out. Write this down, in Christ, God created each of us to live a purposeful life. And that's a beautiful thing too. Not only does he give us great wealth, great power and position and hope, but he gives us great purpose in our lives to serve him and glorify him. He's created us to live a purposeful life, revealing the master behind the masterpiece, him. Now, I want you to dream about this a little bit as we close out today's message. Dream, dream what it might look like to finally unburden yourself of being the master of your own destiny. Imagine what it might be like to, to just be a person who says, God, it's, it's up to you and I, I trust you for your wisdom and your strength. And whatever comes, I'm comfortable with that. I'm at ease with that. Because I know it's all part of your plan for my life and your purpose working through me. Imagine, imagine the peace that comes from finally taking that big, heavy backpack filled with bricks that says, it's all on me. I have to go get it. And instead, letting Jesus Christ pick up that backpack for you and take it to his cross. I, I want you to imagine that. It, I, it doesn't mean that you're not going to work on Monday. But you're going to go to work with a different mindset. It, it doesn't mean that you're going to go home today and, and find that the illness you've been experiencing is magically healed, but it, what it does mean is you can say, Heavenly Father, Jesus, the burden of this disease, this illness, this brokenness is on you now. Do with me as you please. Doesn't mean all your relationships are healed overnight, but you can give those relationships to the one who truly owns them. And, and you can practice love the way Christ first practiced love on you. Practice forgiveness the way Christ first practiced forgiveness on you. Trust me, this is a game changer when you let Jesus take the onus and the burden on himself and place it where it belongs and not on yourself. 
And where we can practice this first and foremost, Paul goes on actually in Ephesians chapter two and he says, there's a great place for you to begin to practice this new mindset of the burden is no longer on me, the burden is on God. And it's right here amongst your brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen to what he says. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. What he means is that in this church there were Jewish people and Gentile people who had become Christians and now they were one family and whatever divided them or kept them apart, they had learned to put the onus on Christ and now one beautiful new people had been made out of those Jews and Gentiles. Same here. Pastor Dan pointed it out last week from the stage. It's so easy to see the incredible diversity of of people that come to Crosswalk. And Paul's saying the same to us. God, right here, when we learn together to put the onus on him, on Jesus Christ, is creating one new humanity out of us. A great family where we can love each other and put God's love into practice. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Here's the final point I want you to write down. God's vision is for us to live out his purpose first in the church, doing life together as a team. Foucault said it's madness to be self-reliant, and it leads to madness. The Apostle Paul says it's sin to be self-reliant. It's the sin of idolatry. But both of them arrive at this point if we can get outside of ourselves and find that one true base of wealth and power, of hope and position. And Paul tells us it's Jesus Christ then it's life-changing and it's eternity-changing. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you sent Jesus for us by grace. It's your undeserved love that did this. We did nothing to to deserve any of the goodness that you give to us, Lord. And, And for some of us, I know that's a difficult message. And yet, Lord, what an empowering message that you come and grab us wherever we're at, no matter how deeply mired we are, and you love us, and you sacrifice yourself for us, and you embrace us to yourself and love us. Lord, may that message be the message that goes home with everyone today, that they are loved by Christ, that they are loved by grace, and that you have an amazing life and and an eternal life plan for each of us in this room in Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, Some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. Today's message is really easy to put in a nutshell. 
The world will tell you success, happiness, joy, health, they're all yours. Just go after them and get them yourself. So that's one way to go. The other way to go is this. The Bible's way is is saying Christ has taken hold of you. His, His cross has grabbed your heart and not you go after it, but he came after you in his grace and took hold of you because as we heard last week, you were chosen from eternity to be his. What a beautiful message. Go for it or be grabbed by Christ. You you couldn't have two more distinct messages. Let me send you out into, the, into your life as you think about that thought uh, with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great week in the Lord, everybody. We will see you next week.